Hello and welcome to Miller's Game Room podcast episode number 34. I'm Miller and uh, well usual intro goes here etc etc and I've got quite a bit to discuss today. Um, First off some channel updates and then some other news, smaller news including some bits from the direct which um, happened to be revealed afterwards which I want to have some commentary on and then some longer form stuff and then finally what I've been playing. So, going to be a nice big episode today, so uh, like, comment, subscribe, notification bell, etc. Starting off with the channel update, um, first off, for videos I've made, yep, there's a little spoiler there, um, I have uploaded a visual hidden gems video for Valentine's Day, it was about five underrated like console VNs, go check it out, I put a fair bit of work into it. it was nice to be able to talk about some of these games because many of those games I've not even talked about on the channel before. So, yeah, I really appreciate people go watch that because the visual ones tend not to do very well performance-wise because, well, they're about visual novels. And a big bit of news, um, I was did my first collaboration video. It went up yesterday. It's a top 10 most surprising Switch games. We found surprising with friends. It was by uh, Orbology, otherwise known as Emily, and a bunch of our content creators... That these, that these friends with and I know as well. I'm probably gonna forget people from my head because it's quite a long list, like nine people, but it was really cool to be part of that. And uh, yeah, first collab. So um, no doubt I, I did notice I got an influx of subscribers since then. So if a lot of people from that are, are listening to this, it's like, yeah, I don't normally do podcast videos like this with no like face or anything like that. It just happened to be that the, the two week schedule was coming up and well, the video was uploaded then. So this is the first thing you'll be seeing. In terms of other things I've got in the pipeline, I have finally started editing my Persona 4 Golden Retrospective, which I've put a lot of work into. I'm gonna share a few teasers soon because I've already done the featured image for it and I can't wait to share it because I went all out with scripting and recording and getting footage together. It's just a case of, well, having the executive function to you know put it all together, which is going well so far. But obviously I have to pace myself a bit and hopefully I can get it up for next week. But I don't want to stress myself out too much. So please look forward to it. Uh, thank you all for being here. So starting off with the smaller bits of news. I'm going to start with the Nintendo Direct stuff. Um, I will mention I did do an initial reaction video to it on YouTube as well. Which covered the announcements that I'm most interested in and all had things to say. Which did include Eternity Collection bit of Breath of Tears for the Kingdom, not Breath of the Wild, that game's old, and then just the other things as well, like Atelier Marie, I talked about that, as also the uh, the Konami game that was announced in the Japanese Direct, so yeah, I talked about the Japanese Direct as well, and people really appreciated me covering the Japanese Direct, so I'll probably end up covering it as standard in the future, so thank you so much. And two more points that I want to highlight that have come to be revealed since then, is first off, Zelda Tears to the Kingdom, that's coming out in May, has been confirmed to be 70 US dollars. And a lot of people are understandably upset about it because, oh, you're hiking the price of a game mid-generation? Why would you do that? And it's like, yeah, it is kind of bad. But then a certain detail came out which then made it all make sense to me and is the most likely reason they've increased the price for this specific game. Nintendo are using 32 gigabyte cartridges because the game itself is 18.2 gigabytes, which is bigger than the 16 gig minimum. And what Nintendo are basically doing 
is that they're passing the extra cost of manufacturing the cartridge in this bigger size to the buyers, which basically is what other publishers should have been doing since the Switch came out. Like, even in the first year of the Switch's life, L.A. Noir came out, and on the Switch that was partially a download, and then other games like Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus is another example. Oh, God, there's so many. Basically, if it's a big Western game on the Switch, if it doesn't all fit on the cart, it'll probably either be a code in a box or have a download required, and there's quite a few download required games. Yeah, there's... People under something get annoyed at that, and if you're a physical buyer, it can suck because it basically defeats the point of a physical game if you can't have all of it on the cart, but this is what other publishers should have been doing, and now Nintendo are actually doing what other publishers should have been doing with Tears of the Kingdom, which is quite ironic if this is going to be their last year of full Switch support before a successor comes out, which is what's rumoured, so which is quite ironic that it's in the tail of the Switch's life now we're seeing this, but, but yeah, it's... I can kind of see more why other publishers have chosen not to put it all on cart because, not excusing it, they still should have done it, but like, the fact that people are now getting upset at Nintendo for doing this, I think says a lot really, but also, if Nintendo had released the game to not be on cart and require a download, the upset would have been even bigger, because here's a big major Zelda game, and you can't download it all on the cart, like, that would be big. And it would cause even more upset. So what Nintendo have done here is they've chosen to do the decision that would cause the least PR upset. And that was increased the price. So I do hope it is a one-off. I know that is concerning that for present it does potentially set. But I think it'll be interesting to see what they announce in the future. Because if they announce more games and they are $70, then yeah, it's a trend. But yeah, it's going to do well regardless, because it is Zelda, it's like the biggest Switch release of this year, and one of the biggest releases of this console's life cycle, that's not something that can be disputed. So yeah, if you don't like this news, wait for a price drop, that's basically what you'll need to do, and this will eventually drop in price. I know the Switch games at the moment are still ridiculously expensive, but it is a Switch, and eventually they'll drop. Like, the 3DS games were expensive at one point, they were like 30, 40 quid, and now you can get the majority of them for like 10 to 20 if not less like they will drop in price eventually and yeah nintendo do need to do a, a switch classics lineup which will probably happen at some point after whatever the successor is comes out but that's speculation on my part the other bit of news that was revealed is uh etronity origins was confirmed to be digital only there was a bit of uncertainty at the time i did my video but it's been confirmed that yes there's no physical in the west and while there are physicals in japan and asia the Japanese physical has already been confirmed not to have English because the eShop pages only list the games in Japanese, so only Japanese text. And if it's Japanese voices, most likely Japanese voices, but I don't think it has voices because it is based on the, the DS originals. So it is a shame, but I'm still excited and I'll be importing it and I'll be using it as a reason to practice Japanese because I've been neglecting my Japanese studies a bit. Like, I've still been doing it, but I've not really been like going all out with it and it's partly because of stuff happening but also because I kind of need an extra incentive to do it and I feel like something like Etch and Odyssey games that I by and large know how to play might help a lot so and plus also there are physical goods coming out as well I'm gonna try to get some of these physical merc as well if I can try to get some extra merc to import with the physical as well I will but fingers crossed but if you want that it's there now on to Dock Upon Kingdom Connect um, this is normally not the kind of thing I talk about on here because it's only talking about online play specifically and it's a kind of 
PR reveal that just gets given out over time as information, but I normally don't touch because it's just information. But I wanted to highlight this because it really has increased my interest to play Dock Upon Kingdom for the first time. And they're detailing the online play, and Gamatsu translated it, because this was Compile Hearts' like, release of it, because they're the Japanese publisher. And their things say, as translated by Gamatsu, Save in the middle of a game. Online games will auto-save as you play, but they can also be manually saved or suspended, just like you would when playing offline. Disconnected? Regroup in an instant! If a player gets disconnected, a room will be automatically created so that each participant can rejoin the group. Hand control over to COM at any time. During a game, you can hand control over to COM, the computer, in brackets, at any time during your turn. Bring in guests with just one switch. In online games, up to three players can join the game using just one switch. I don't know why I did that really silly voice, but okay. But basically, all these are good. It's really factoring in a lot of people's time, which is always one of the issues with playing these older games where they just don't have these features factored in. I think Boom Street, when that came over for the Wii, I think there was some kind of online play for that, but it wasn't very well thought out for this, but I have not played it yet. I have a copy of it, but I've not played it yet. So I'm interested. I just hope there's some kind of Western, like, limited additional bonus items, because the European physical has both a Peggy rating and a USK rating. So in other words, they're only doing one cover for the whole region. So I'm hoping that there's a day one edition or something so it looks a bit more appealing to add to the collection. But either way, that physical release will cause the price of the old Dockerpon releases by Atlas to drop. So uh, that's great news. A couple of smaller things now before I move on to the more bigger discussions. Uh, Nintendo have announced a Splatoon 3 art book and soundtrack for Japan. The art book comes out on the 31st of March and costs around 3,300 Jap Japanese yen. And the soundtrack called Splatoon 3 on the 26th of April and will cost 5,280 Japanese yen. And they're only for Japan. The art book will likely get localized in English officially. The art books for the first two games did. And the OST might be put on streaming services. Don't know, but it's really cool that they're coming out. It is Splatoon. It is basically the national video game of Japan in terms of online shooters. And like, alongside the likes of Mario, Animal Crossing, and Dragon Quest. I remember when I went to Japan and studied there, there was always, when I went to shops to buy Merc, even more mainstream stuff, they had Mario, Animal Crossing, Dragon Quest, and Splatoon. And also some Zelda as well, to a lesser extent. Like, that's how big Splatoon is in Japan. They fucking love Splatoon. So, it's, it's, it's alright. I've not played Splatoon 3. Apparently, it's just a slightly improved version of Splatoon 2, but... I like Splatoon 2, it just wasn't my kind of game because it's an online shooter. That's basically that, not reflective of the game itself, it's great, it's just not my thing. And now the final item for the shorter items, uh, Shin-chan, me and my professor on summer vacation. In fact, the Shin-chan game that came out in English last year digitally is now getting a physical edition. Uh, it was basically soft confirmed last summer by Limited Run Games, but now it's like, oh we're actually doing it proper now, and now they've revealed the details. Pre-orders for 21st of February. Uh, it has 40 USD standard and 80 USD collector's editions. Well, technically it's just one, one people below those amounts for each, but it's just easier to say 80. The collector's edition has a copy of the game, a, a box, which yeah, I've got to advertise having a box, a soundtrack, acrylic standee, enamel pin, and two postcards. So... Looks alright. I've not played the Shin Chan game. I do want to. I haven't got around to it. I was hoping to find out what happened with this physical release, 
but I read something else that apparently the Japanese PS4 version that came out after the Switch release has English text on the, the disc, so you don't need to go via limited run games to get a physical copy of this in English unless you want to get the Switch version. So if you want to get this physically on the Switch, your best option would be to pre-order this release and wait six to eight months for it to turn up. So that's going to be interesting. So I'm glad it's getting a physical though. It's really cool that this is getting a physical. I'm hoping the upcoming Natsumon game by Spike Chunsoft comes out in the West as well. That's Millennium Kitchen are also working on and hopefully that is a retail release because it's Spike Chunsoft. Now on to the more longer stuff, which um, is going to have quite a bit of slightly more serious stuff, because here at Miller's Game Room I like to talk about some of the mainstream stuff that goes on, because a lot of the stuff happens in the mainstream games industry does tend to be quite negative, because, well, the video game industry is a perfect example of late-stage capitalism and how it's destroying things, which uh, become even more apparent before everything else. So, yeah, if you've been following gaming, it's just a tiny microcosm of everything that goes on. But I'm going to start with Multiversus, so those don't know, Multiversus is basically Warner Brothers' free-to-play Smash Bros. clone that came out last summer. It was initially quite popular. It had, in July 2022, when it came out, its peak was 153,044 people, or, or around that, that's when I took the number. Uh, but in the last 30 days, as in, well, February, late January... It only has 1,524 people at its peak, and that's over 99% drop in its player count, and that's quite obscene. It's a lot, and it's likely the same on other platforms, because those numbers I just read out were for Steam, and you can easily access Steam play statistics publicly via Steam Spy. It's not hard to find, so if you want to see how a game's doing, look at it up on Steam. And... I think it just goes to show that the live service market is oversaturated because people just don't have the time or the money or the energy to just commit to all these live service games, especially ones that aren't hooking people. From what I've read about Multiversus, season three has already been delayed, so they've only put out like two seasons and people are just losing interest, which is kind of understandable, really. Um, it's like... If it doesn't improve, it might end up shutting down in the next year. So I reckon what will likely happen is they'll wait until season freeze out. They'll get that out and then see if that improves things. And if it doesn't, the game will probably shut down, which um kind of sad, really. But also kind of not. It's just like Multiversus has a lot of potential, but it just needed an offline premium price version with a story mode or some single player content or even some local multiplayer content just to like have a, an offline release of the game that people can play and can actually, you know, be played in the future. And also, can you don't need to spend money. Like, a lot of these games would do better if people had more reasons to spend money. And at the moment, many of them don't, especially now with this oversaturated market and people being conditioned to expect these live service games to shut down after just a couple of years. So that's probably a factor in it as well, people saw it and checked out like, oh it's really cool, but now it's like, eh, kind of moved on, so maybe things will get turned around, maybe not. Another one is about Activision Blizzard and trying to force their employees to return to the office, and they were like, oh we're expecting all employees to be able to work from the office in the next few months of 2023, so like by May and June, so yeah, if you've been following these, uh, this news, especially in a currently still in the pandemic world, no, I will not stop labouring that point. Uh, this is not going to end well, because 
it's basically them trying to reassert control over their employees and further restrict their like autonomy and stuff like that and the kind of paternalistic condescending approaches that you have to be really detached from reality of ordinary people to really begin to think okay let's do this because we think it's okay even when it's not and it's not going to end well it's already pissed off like countless people and people already been people will walk because that's what happens when you do shit like this you take away people's rights and things like that especially when you allow full-time remote working and you have a geographically spread out range of people across the world people understandably won't want to uproot themselves just for a job especially if they can make changes like this on the whim so and thanks to the coronavirus pandemic forcing able to actually experience working from home for themselves and accommodate themselves for it rather than listen to disabled people for years beforehand they've now gotten used to it and it's better because it is better having extra control and autonomy over your life being able to control your working conditions accommodate your own disabilities and other responsibilities and be able to be wherever you want and people benefit from that and that's what people want to preserve understandably and then Mike Yabaris made it worse in a company Q&A basically implying that anyone unhappy should just quit the company which telling someone just leave a job just isn't really viable unless you have a safety net in a lot of places, such as the USA, you don't have a safety net, so you can't believe. It's basically, oh, you don't like it, just leave, and we will ignore the factors that make it difficult for you to actually do that. And then they're also like, oh, we're going to give you only 58% of your usual profit-sharing bonus, so yeah, that's uh, not gone very down very well. And yeah, hopefully this stuff is reversed, because Activision Blizzard, once again... Just proving how irredeemably toxic it is and just have the disgusting leadership that plagues the company. Much like Ubisoft as well. Just, yeah, don't buy Activision games. Just disgusting the way they're treating their staff. And now finally for this section, I'm now going to be breaking a um, ban I gave myself many months ago to talk about something semi-good relating to uh, this thing. And it's called the Trends Witches Are Witches Itch.io Bundle. And yes, if you know what that is, you can already see what I'm going to talk about. And this was set up uh, about a week and a half ago, I think, around that time. It's been up for a while. And it's basically promoting an Itch.io Bundle to set up a, as a counter-protest against Turf Wart's Lego shit. Because, well, it's a piece of garbage. It's a dumpster fire. Um... I'll read the, the bundle description. This is basically what this bundle's about. Vendor on it says, A bundle of witchcraft and wizardry without the transphobia, anti-Semitism and alt-right grifters. Reject Hogwarts Legacy's bigotry and support independent LGBTQ plus creators. Uh, 60 USD for them all, or there's a 10 USD equivalent of like 69 games and many of them are digital games. Some of them are like Dungeons and Dragons style like RPG games and a few other things. It's just that kind of thing. It closes on the 24th, so if the Davis goes up, there'll be a few days left. So if you have seen this early enough and you want to throw some money to support these uh, smaller developers who, unlike Warner Brothers Games and Avalanche, actually need your money, go to the link below. And as for the game itself, uh, I've said my piece on it. And by the game, I mean Hogwarts. I've talked about it on Twitter 
and see the discourse. Um, yeah, I'm just not going to talk about it because it's a piece of shit and I don't want to address it on the podcast any more than I have to, but I feel I have an obligation to talk about this bundle here as well. So yeah, fuck Hogwarts Legacy and uh, yeah, don't don't support or fund Rowling or Bigots, etc. Now on to the Vision Novel news, which um, there's a bit of stuff here, so I'm going to go over it briefly. Uh, first off, the big one, uh, IFI have announced they're doing another Rotomia game, otherwise known as Charade Maniacs. Um, this summer it's going to get a physical and a digital edition, limited editions as well, and in Europe we're getting the lovely day one edition with a big box and some stuff in it, which is cool because I like collecting those. And now, this is the part that's going to be controversial because they how they announce this game is just a textbook, don't do this. The stream itself, they announced it on, was controversial because it was on Valentine's Day. Um, people waited for 75 minutes for the game to be revealed. The images on screen were very jarring and bad for those with photosensitivity. Uh, I have chosen a still image of that that's not the most jarring, like, that you can tell what it is, but not that's really jarring. It's just basically the image, and just imagine that, but worse. And upset a lot of people, including myself, because I wasted 75 minutes of my life waiting for this stream. And I was pissed off. And uh, PR staff were, were being rude in the chat. I believe it was because they were trying to get in the character of Charade Maniacs. Something to do with the actual game's context and the themes. But it, that's not going to work when most people don't understand. Like, when they don't follow on localised games, they're not going to pick up on these subtleties. It's unreasonable to assume that... The average Otemi fan in the West follows unlocalized news. It's just unre- it's just it's not something that it should be expected. Especially because a lot of people won't follow unlocalized news because they know how much stuff we don't get localized and it gets upsetting. And like take it from someone who started learning Japanese in part to play through a lot of the unlocalized Otemi games we never got in the West. Not so much by Idea Factory, but by other t- other companies as well, like Broccoli and Rejet, just to give some examples. And then, funny enough, the reveal was leaked by Amazon. It was listed on different Amazon sites. So it, the surprise was effectively ruined. And they deserve that for wasting people's time. And even when they thought it looked the. Even when they thought they had good reasoning for it, but the characterization and the whole, like, announcing a stream, just like, just don't fucking do that. Like, it's like, yeah, rudeness. Or if it can be seen as rudeness and with the awful images that oversimulated me to the point where I had to basically have another tab open to cover it up, it's just, it's, it's obnoxious and it's rude. You don't do this shit, no matter how relevant or not you think it is to the, the actual thing you're advertising, don't do it. They had a, like a non-apology on Twitter and it's like, I know people don't want to boycott the game. And it's like, I wouldn't boycott the game because of somebody's terrible marketing decisions. Because this was obviously someone's great idea for marketing and not actually about the game itself. The game itself has a non-binary love interest. So that's going to be interesting to see how well that's been handled. And the artist by Twitter who did Non 9, which is also coming out next month in English again. And Nightshade, also a great game. And yeah, the game itself looks good, but it also confirms that, and this is the part I want to get into good stuff, is it confirms that older games do have a chance of coming over in English officially for consoles. And this is me going to speculation territory. 
but I suspect there'll be news from either IFI or Axis for other titles, especially titles that have been localized in Chinese, because I've been following Chinese news because uh, Game Source Entertainment and Just Dan have been localizing Idea Factory Otomes for Asia, mainly in Chinese and Korean as well. So if you follow that, you'll see what they seem to be willing to license out. And this is a list I put together for ones that are in Chinese and Korean. Uh, Nilat Mirari no Tenbin, or Libra of Nilat Mirari, we got the animes years ago. Uh, Shara no Kuro no Alice, Biru Shana's fan disc, Hakuoki's fan discs, because they're starting to release the fan discs of that there, as well as the first like Hakuoki Switch port, Rain de Fleur, which is a Vita game that got ported to Switch. Hayanyaka, how, oh hang on, Hanayaka Nari Waka Ichizoku, that's one of the games by Ichi Column, which is one of the developers that seems to work with Otomate, they have a bunch of games, none of them have been localised. Uh, Spade no Kuni no Alice, otherwise known as the latest game in the Kuni no Alice series. And Jakuno Lila, Trap of Musk, that's on PC in Chinese, not, in, not for Switch for some reason, I don't know why that is, but that's by a different company. And also because I'm adding them for the West as well, because I know people have been wanting them. Uh, Clock Zero, that's a big one. Uh, Sympathy Kiss, that's a new game, which I think is probably realistic to assume they might pick up, because, well, older love interest in an office, it's new, so it's a safe bet. And then Hakuoki for Switch, and the Cupipara fan disc, they're just guesses. I think we'll get some of these eventually. I'm hoping for some more than others, such as a Cupipara fan disc, and a Clock Zero. And um, hopefully some of the others as well, but I'll save that for another time. Another bit of news. Um, this was actually announced before my last podcast episode, and that's uh, Chaos Head and Chaos Child, the Love Choo Choo spin-offs for those games, are now getting English patches from Committee of Zero. They're doing custom Switch, custom firmware and PC ports. So literally they're making exclusive ports for this fan translation, but require physical copies of the games to play. They've said you need the PS3 copy of Chaos Head Love Choo Choo to play that game and the PS4 version of Chaos Child Love Choo Choo to play that game, which um, that's definitely interesting. Um, one thing I will say is that Chaos Child Love Choo Choo is basically a fan service game and will likely never ever get an official release because this fan translation is just... The fan translation is the only real way we'll get that game in English because it is basically an etchy game that does lean into messed up territory. I don't know the exact specifics, I just know it's like apparently damaging to the overall brand and I think that's probably for the best that it doesn't get localised officially. One thing I will say about another patch is, uh, if you ever heard of a game on that's come to Steam like early last year, it's called Cyanotype Daydream. Uh, the Switch port of that came out in Japan in December. But it doesn't have English text. For some reason, uh, Lap Blackin decided not to include it in the game, even though it was already in English. And then somebody decided to patch the the fan translation. No, somebody decided to patch the PC translation of the Steam release into the Switch version, and that only came out like under two months after the Switch version came out in Japan. So. Now you can play that in English, which I thought was really interesting. It's um, Some remnants of English text was actually found on the, da the data files, so it shows that English text support might have actually been planned at one point, or it was a straight port of the Steam version, and that was understandably access to it was cut off. So I just found that interesting. Um, will we get it in the West officially? Probably not, to be honest. But yeah, I'll leave a link to that in the description. And then 
I'm now going to move on to what I've been playing, which is going to be kind of brief because I haven't played too much, actually. The first one I played and finished was Persona 4 Golden, which I completed like last week. Um, I'm already happy to really finish it again. I love the game so much. I don't even want to talk about it at length because I had to basically, well, I filled in for comfortable starting editing to fully put together my retrospective until I finished it. So I finished it. I had to take a break because I got a bit tired after playing it for like 60 hours. Uh, this playthrough took me like 70 hours to do which was actually less than what I played years ago, but it's partly because of how I was tweaking the difficulty, which I'll be talking more about in the retrospective. Um, obviously finishing it again, it was so nice to relive it again. And at least having it on Switch now means in the future, if I want to do a new game plus to pick up things I missed, especially not maxing out the social links, because there were quite a few I didn't max out, but I do want to try to max them out because, well, we get more rewards and maybe try again to beat Margaret, but I'll probably do that on the easy because well, for those who don't know, on Persona 4, where you have a New Game Plus, and it's only on that New Game Plus can you actually beat Margaret, but to do that you have to basically max out her social link, and then also go around and defeat all the bosses at the end of each dungeon, so that's going to be interesting to kind of see how that plays out. So I might do it, I might not, but it won't be for the future because, um, well... It's an old game, I finished it, and I kind of want to play some more other games I've not played for now, unless it's for another retrospective, which um, I haven't decided on my retrospective game. I want to do another one later this year, at least, but I want to just move on to something else. So, Persona 4's great. I might go to Persona 5 at some point soon, because I've got Bound Switch as well. I don't know when that'll be, but it's Persona 5, so... But I'll always do a soft for Persona 4, and I can't wait to share my thoughts about it, so I don't want to go too much at length here, but... Yeah, it's a fantastic experience and it's beautiful on the Switch. So, you know, check it out. In terms of the new releases that I've been playing, um, I've only really been playing one. I wanted to try out some of the demos from the directs, but I've not got around to them. Probably won't, to be honest, because I just want to keep playing this game. And that's East 9, Monster and Nox. So I managed to find a physical copy of this before it became unavailable because you can't really find it physically much now. And I started it recently. And um, obviously, if you know much about Falcom, the last few years, if you don't include East 8 and 9 and Tokyo's Anadu, basically everything they've released has been a Trails game. So being able to kind of dig into this game that's that's detached from the Trails series is really good because the other Trails games I just can't play yet because I've not played the previous games. Like, I've played some of them, but not really enough to understand the rest of the newer games. And East 9 in particular is the most recent game in the series chronologically as well. It's quite different from any game in the series because of its prison town environment and your base key effectively cursed and trapped in it at the start of the game because of, well, prison stuff and and various plot stuff. And the best way I can describe this game is it basically sacrifices Breath of the World, which you normally see in other games like East 8, for a more depthful, a more deep, kind of like, sacrificing Breath for depth because the depth of Balduk and the city of Balduk and its law and its people and the history is very unique. It's very deep. It's kind of like a trails game in that sense. And it's very unique. I do like it because it's got such a unique approach. And with all the gifts as well, which is something else part of becoming a monstrum because Adol becomes a monstrum alongside five other people. And the gifts you get, like, well, Adol's his crimson line, which is really cool. And Heaven's Run, which is... The first one you get from someone else 
and also exploring the massive city of Baldu as well as the prison, which is basically involved breaking into jail, breaking out of jail, breaking into jail, breaking out of jail. And also another aspect that's unique to it is because you basically meet the core like six monstrums at the start, but you have to actually play through the game more to basically find out their actual identities. So just like Adol is also the Crimson King. It's basically an alter ego. You have to basically keep it well not well known. And then you've got the other five. They also have alter egos, which are also kept under wraps. And it's usually when you find out who they are through the story. And it's just, it's really cool how you do that. We start these people that are still effectively strangers, but you have to, over time, learn who they are. And eventually they'll join your party. And I'm at chapter six. I'm guessing there's ten chapters. I think that was the case for East Eight. But I can definitely feel starting to head towards the climax of the game, if that makes sense. Um, I do like it, the combat's great, the action is good as well, the music's good as always, and the visuals look better, even though there are some frame rate drops, especially in battle, which uh, that was an issue with all versions of these 9. Maybe the PS5 version that's coming up soon will fix this issue, but I don't know. I was going to be honest to say this, which might be a bit weird, but I know some people consider it the best East game yet, but I'm not in that camp. Because it sacrifices breadth for depth, it's like something about it just feels a little off. It doesn't feel like a 100% true East experience that I've come to expect. And I just love being able to go around and explore. And you do get a bit of that in this game because when you are able to get through the full moon Grimnoxes and be able to remove the barriers that I mean you can go outside a town and start exploring the plains just outside, like you see that and it's like. I shouldn't have to wait till like chapter 4 or 5 to unlock areas outside of town. Because to me that feels a bit ridiculous to have to wait until chapter 4 or 5 just to touch on things that you normally find in an East game. Which is kind of weird to me. And I'm not the biggest fan of that. And that's kind of why I just feel something's missing. And there's also a lot of text like a Trails game which can be a bit tiring and get boggy down. But luckily a lot of the quests aren't too long. And I'm kind of glad that Falcom are like understood the criticisms they got from people for it, especially in Japan. And like for East 10, Nordics are like, oh, we're going to move away from that back towards different things from earlier games that people are more used to. And I'm kind of hoping that East 10 will be a bit shorter. They're changing up the combat and stuff completely, which is understandable. But, you know, I want to make it shorter, have it a bit more refined and tighter. Because a lot of the previous East games, basically all previous East games up till 8 are very short. And you can only you you take like ten hours to play through each one. That's how short they are. Unless you want to do a bit more like side quests and stuff, then they're quite short games. So especially if you play on like easy difficulties where they exist. So they're quite short games. But I'm kind of hoping East Ten is a bit shorter than East Eight and Nine. Maybe closer to East Seven because that's like the longest of the earlier games. I would much rather have a shorter and sweet experience with an amazing kick-ass soundtrack and constant vibes than just lots of text and lore, even if it's well done. I just would like a bit more better balance because I know Falcom have had issues where a lot of their games try to act like trails of lots of text. Tokyo's Energy was another example where it was like part fusion novel in a high school world, part RPG. And yeah, I just would like to see some new releases and Falcom that don't fall into this really heavy, text-heavy tropes basically not everything has to be like trails trails is great but not everything has to be like it it's quite similar to square enix wanting to turn everything of theirs into action rpgs like kingdom hearts is great 
but not everything needs to be like Kingdom Hearts. So, you know. And also, some of the gameplay refinements for me say are there, like, there's also a similar function to the raid mode, which is like the Noxes, and that has been an imp- an imp- refined version from what you get in ESA with its equivalent so there are subtle fixes there so from a technical perspective aside from the frame rate drops and that it's a better game it's just certain things about it and the design approaches that don't make it my favorite east game maybe of the ones i've played and finished probably behind eight until setter maybe above seven i don't know i want to do a ranking of east games when i've played them all but that'll be in the future so I'm going to stop there because I've been going on for a while now with this podcast episode and I'll need to get all this edited soon. So thank you so much for listening to episode 34 of the Miller's Gaming Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, like, comment, subscribe, notification bell, uh, subscribe and follow on your streaming platforms of choice as well. Because yes, I do put this podcast on other platforms as well. Spotify, Apple Music and stuff like that, you know. Even though I think most people probably aren't even aware I do put them on there, but you know. Thank you so much and have a lovely day. Bye-bye.